What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 259. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with the guys from the Hockey Town West podcast, Brandon and Nick. We're going to talk a little bit of Griffins. Uh, Brandon, Nick, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, Greg. How are you? It's been a week, man. Um, I, <laughs> everyone in my house is finally, finally not sick. We're all okay now. So uh, Red Wings are winning. We're not sick. Uh, LA Kings are up now 2 nothing on the Lightning. So that's good news. And uh, life is good. Nick, how are you doing? Life was good. Had the day off today and uh, just kind of snowed in with all the snow that we're getting. So, Yeah, me and uh, Brandon were talking about it before I hit record. It was supposed to snow here today. Uh, I'm in the metro Detroitish area. It's been pouring all day uh, and it's supposed to turn to ice overnight and then snow. We'll see how that works out. But luckily, I work from home and don't have to go anywhere. I can choose not to drive. I can go in the office. It's absolutely not happening tomorrow. Uh, but I got the guys from Hockey Town West on tonight to talk a little bit of Griffins. Uh, we're reaching a point in the season where we're going to be coming up on the All-Star break. Uh, the team has a few days off. We don't play again until tomorrow, so we've had a couple days off now. But I kind of wanted to get an update on prospects because the closer we get to the trade deadline, the more likely it is we're probably going to see some of these guys make their way to Detroit. We're thinking that Simon Edvinson should get a full-time spot around the trade deadline. Uh, guys like Jonathan Berggren might get a full-time call-up after being yanked around back and forth for a while. Um, but off the top, I want to talk a little bit of Red Wings. The Red Wings are now on a three-game win streak, beating the San Jose Sharks, the LA Kings, and the Anaheim Ducks. And I guess I just wanted to do my takeaway from it is that it's been mostly solid hockey. I mean, if you guys watch the games, and I'm sure you have, like the first period they're back to kind of maybe the first period being a little bit slow. But the one thing that's really stood out is, is one of the goaltenders of the week in Alex Lyon, who has a two, five, nine goals against um, uh, above 900 save percentage, which you couldn't say for our other goaltenders, but it's been just to me past lapses in the first period. It's been solid hockey. And when there are missteps and what I talked about previously is that you needed a goaltender who could step up, and cover up for the defensive lapses. And Alex Lyon is looking like he could be that guy after he helped carry Florida to the playoffs last season. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Lyon has stepped up in such a big way for this team. I don't know where we'd be without him right now. Like, just looking at our other options, it's, it's kind of terrifying. But, you know, at the beginning of the season for us, we all thought, okay, it's going to be Reimer, it's going to be Huso, and we're going to eventually see Alex Lyon make his way to Grand Rapids. And then that obviously never happened. Good for Alex Lyon and sucks for us, but at the same time, we've got a great tandem here in Costa and Hutchinson, so that's been nice. But yeah, I love seeing the success this guy's having. It's so great. And overall, he's just a, a weird dude. Like, uh, I mean, every interview that he's done, he's gotten the strangest questions out, our strangest answers out. So it's uh, always uh, interesting to see it on that end. But um, yeah, just like when I said, we thought Lyon would be here, or um, but with the whole goalie shakeup, you know. It's good to see him having the success and uh, up in Detroit. We had mentioned that I think the the weirder your goalie is, the better they might be, which I think bodes well <laughs> for us. And we talked about Trey Augustine and how he like he didn't he hasn't taped his goalie stick since like the first practice of the year. And he's like, I don't care. So it, I think you make a good point, like uh, Alex Lyon talking about how he had like a skin tight Catwoman suit for Halloween. Uh, one year and just the answers that he gives 
are fantastic. And uh, yeah, maybe Huso and Reimer are a little too normal to be good goalies, but it seems like uh, Lion has the perfect amount of weird to be able to get those wins, which is fantastic. Um, but you mentioned Sebastian Kosa, and I think that might be a good place to start because I think a lot of people were looking at a timeline of Kosa that maybe once he was drafted, he might spend two seasons in the minors and then come to a backup role in Detroit. And we saw what he did in Toledo. Very impressive stuff down the stretch with Lethemon in Toledo. And then we said he needs to go and he needs to take that starter role in Grand Rapids. And lo and behold, he's gone in with Hutchinson. And from what I've seen, and the stats may not 100% reflect it, is that he's been consistent. He's worked on his game. It looks like he's stepped up in big pressure moments and that the development is happening, but maybe a little slower than people were hoping it would. What's your take on it? Yeah, it's definitely slower than I think everyone thought it was going to be, uh, especially with, you know, goalies are goalies are strange. Goalies are strange characters across the board. We figured it would take some time after we saw, you know, he got his he got two games in with Grand Rapids last year uh, on an emergency call up, essentially. And he was just thrown into action and he got his first win in his first game against a good Milwaukee team and then went down to Chicago and got absolutely lit up. And those are the stats that everyone, of course, grabs. They talk about Sebastian Kosa. Oh, his first year in the AHL, two games got sent down and like seven goals against. Unrealistic statistics there. But like you said, in Toledo, he really found his game, uh, did a great job. The goalie room there was one of the best goalie rooms we've ever heard of between him and Lethman. They got along so great. They just built each other up. I mean, eventually just became two of the best goalies in the ECHL last year. And then... Sebastian obviously gets this call to Grand Rapids this year, and you're hoping he does take that starter spot. It is still quite split between him and Hutchinson, but what we've seen is the consistency in his game, especially the first half half of the season so far. He's had a really inconsistent team in front of him. The team is still trying to figure out who each other are, what where they're going to be, and what they're going to do. So as he's had to adjust to that himself, he has come up and made some big, big saves that have definitely stolen a couple of games for this team. And I think as he continues on, he'll get to that point where he's stealing more. I want to say, though, I don't think we see him in that backup role in Detroit at the beginning of next season. I think we see him as a starter in Grand Rapids officially next season. So it is going to, again, take a little longer than everybody hoped. Costa was drafted, and they knew, the scouts just said he was raw. He needed time to develop. And so with the Wings putting him in Toledo, they were able to keep an eye on him. Toledo's not that far from Detroit. They were able to keep an eye on him. He rotated last year with John Lefferman as starter backup. Why do you really split those two guys in that starting role? Um, this year, bring, bringing him up, this is his first full year in the AHL. And so he needs that time of getting those reps in. He Last year, Dan Watson's system allowed a lot of breakaways. He was able to stand tall on a lot of those um, on a lot of those breakaways and stop a lot of them. So he's gaining those skills there in Toledo. This year, he's really re- refining his game here in Grand Rapids. I think next year, you see him take more of that starting role from Hutchinson, if Hutchinson's still here next year, and then possibly seeing being called up in Detroit the year after. I mean, you're seeing Wallstat being pulled up this this week with, um, you know, into the NHL, and then also Askroff got pulled up and this is their both their second years into the AHL. So it's just having that patience with these with Kosa to see him moving up to that next step. And he's progressing well with the Griffins at the moment. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, Brandon. And it's 
kind of like the situation I feel like the Wings had last season is you've got a whole new group of guys. The Grand Rapids roster saw a ton of turnover. You got a bunch of prospects that came in. You're bringing COSA into a new league. I mean, it's a AHL and ECHL is a pretty big difference. It's a huge skill step for him. And it's learning to just adapt to being faster. But again, with brand new defensemen in front of you, brand new forwards in front of you, the forwards and defensemen are learning to work together. Throw a new coach in on top of that with a new system and new scheme. I feel like it's what Detroit went through last season where you bring in Lalone and then you fill the roster with six new guys and everyone just needs time to gel, needs time to work together. And now at 31 games in, the uh, Griffins are 14 and 13 on a five-game win streak. Do you think this is kind of where they start to hit their stride? They finally have started to figure out how to play off each other, get that synergy going. Uh, and how to just really move the team forward and start winning because they're third in their division, which seems good to me since it seemed like early on they were they were dropping games at a decently alarming rate. Yeah, they definitely were. It does feel like they're hitting their stride. I think we we talked about it for most of the season uh, so far. Just thinking that the post Christmas break games would be where we start to see a lot of a lot of players hit their stride and the team as a whole hit their stride. Now. I mean, they're on this five-game win streak, which is great to preface it. They played the Iowa Wild over this past weekend, who had eight call-ups from their ECHL team. They're absolutely decimated by the Wild's injuries currently. So there is that to throw out there, but at the same time, it's a game in the American Hockey League. It doesn't matter who's on the ice. It's going to be a tough game. And to go in there, in their barn, and steal two games like that, with Wallstead starting both of those games, the Griffins lit them up for eight total goals that weekend. And that's the offense we've been lacking this whole time, and it was very spread out. It wasn't just Peregrine getting goals. It wasn't just Zarnik getting goals. It was across the roster. So it does really feel like we're hitting our stride. And I think you're going to see a lot of these players that people are wondering for some reason if they're a bust or not already in their first season. It, you're going to see a lot of these guys just go for it, I think. And I think the being third in this weird division, the central division in the AHL is the most strange one out of all of them. I mean, there's times in the season where the point differential between second and last is two points. It, it happens all the time. It's the tightest division in the American Hockey League. So to be where we're at right now, I think we're in a good spot. Things should start moving up. It takes we, – we watched Simon last year, and it took him about half the season to be able to really get into the flow of North American ice and the structure and the, how fast the AHL is. And so, like, seeing a lot of these prospects come over, uh, Volander, Casper, it's going to take him some time. A little bit with Tuomisto, just – um, not as long based off of him playing in Denver for those two years. But um, we knew with Dan Watson coming in, new structure, there was a huge turnover in roster. I mean, I was looking at the plus minus for last year and this year with the two, with the teams. I mean, we had this year already, we've got 10 players in the minus currently. But we have 12 in the positive, where last year it was the exact flip. We had 36 in the negative. So, I mean, it's a it's a huge improvement to have Dan Watson uh, playing the style that he has in Grand Rapids and, you know, getting those North American guys coming in and then also gelling with the veterans that we brought in, like Brogan Rafferty and Didier and Nolan Stevens, Zach Aston-Reese. I mean, these are all new players for this team to have. Yeah, let's look it up. I am a known, I guess, plus minus hater. Um, it is, it's, Okay, maybe as a team stat, it kind of sucks as an individual stat, but 
when you find an outlier, I think it's something to really look at. And one of the things that Ryan wanted to bring up is kind of like, kind of similar what he calls what the fuck moments that are happening to defense in Grand Rapids that are kind of the same thing that's happening in Detroit where it just seems like defensive lapses. But the one guy that is just the the absolute outlier, and I think a dude who could, again, if Edvinson is not the only defenseman to come up at the trade deadline, Albert Johansson seems like a defensive freak is what it looks like. If you look at the team, he is a plus 13. Uh, to me, that that seems crazy. Now, I knew he was more of a defensive defenseman, but it really seems like he does have an offensive touch. He, he's got decent numbers, three goals, nine assists, 12 points through 25 games, and a plus 13, which is the thing that really sticks out to me. So I feel like if the Red Wings are looking at it like, how do we improve our defense without having to spend assets? I think you could gain assets by trading maybe a guy like Olimata or trading, trying to figure out some way to trade the Jeff Petrie contract. And bringing in a guy like Albert Johansson and improving the defense there. Like, are, are the numbers deceiving or has Johansson really developed that well defensively? They're definitely not deceiving. He has developed, especially this year. I think he's taken a completely new step in his development. And I'm a big Albert Johansson guy. Like, I know the moment Simon Edmondson gets that permanent call up that he's going to be the go-to guy in Grand Rapids. It depends on who else is going to follow him. But the way he plays the game, I think he analyzes it extremely well. He puts himself in really good positions. Now, offensively, too, we're starting to see this, which we didn't see much of last season. We're starting to see this brand new player that can defend like any other player, but also at the same time create these scoring opportunities. He had an assist on Carter Mazur's goal on, I think, Saturday. It was an incredible, almost no-look pass that he just knew exactly where everyone around him was put the puck right on Mazer's stick and Mazer had nothing to do nothing to score that goal. But Johansson's just getting better and better with each game. And I think that moment that Simon's gone, I think it's only going to help him grow more because he's going to get that first line defensive minutes. You know, for a while we saw him paired with Simon Edvinson. Dan Watson and the coaches have split that up now. And we've seen, you know, Simon Edvinson and Tuomisto together. And then it's usually Johansson and Brogan Rafferty together. So it's just seeing him be able to lead that line with a veteran. It, it's it's been great. It's helped too. He's been paired with a more of the Bear, Bear Grin, Mazer, Darnick. So those guys have been helping on that end as well, and probably giving. I mean, it's given him a lot more space to be able to work with. So the the other teams are pinpointing more on those guys because they don't see the offense coming from the D on the DM. But um, Johansson, I mean, he's been able to get out of Simon's shadow and to really you know make those plays on the on the offensive end. So. I mean, last year he played the full year. Really, this year he's he's picking up. We're at that Christmas break time right now. I foresee this to continue his play developing even more. Um, and it helps too with the coaches that we have. Dan Watson played defense. Brian Lashoff played defense. So a lot of that is helping our defensive end and our prospects getting that um that development that they need. So I I could foresee Johansson being moved up. Um, a lot sooner than what we thought, especially with Eisenman keying in on him too. Yeah, I think they had said last season that if Johansson wasn't hurt when Edvinson was called up, Johansson would have got the call instead of Edvinson to Detroit. And I think that's probably just because he came in as more of a polished player. Uh, he came, But he is that more defensive presence as to where Edvinson had all the tools, but had to put them, had all the tools and probably a higher ceiling, but had to put them all together on North American ice 
um, and Johansson was probably probably would have came in and there would have been less, I guess, worry about him making a big mistake and and causing a game. Um, but our friend Lucas on Twitter asked with Edvinson likely to join Detroit by the deadline. When could we possibly see now? He says Johansson and I said, well, maybe you could see him this season. But he also talks about Wallander and which one has the higher ceiling. What is your what's your view on William Wallander so far? I know he he's known for being kind of raw, but he won uh, an award based on the European Hockey Association where he was named like one of the best young players in the league. And when he was drafted, it was more this guy's got all the tools, kind of like Edmondson got all the tools. But it's how is he going to put them together? What kind of player is he going to become? Can he develop in the long run to to reach his ceiling? But what have you seen from William Wallander so far? His game is intriguing to me. I think he he definitely he's raw. He's definitely got a lot of development to still do. But at the same time, he's obviously it's first year in the AHL. He's got time. And with how many good guys are ahead of him in the depth chart, he's got even more time to develop. We want to see him really take that next step, hopefully, at this time of the season. I hope we see, you know, just a little bit more offense out of him. Defensively, he's sound. He makes really smart plays. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's not a guy that's going to take dumb penalties. And I feel like when you're talking overall, just like the next guy after, you know, a Johansson or an Edmondson getting called up, it's really between him and Tuomisto right now. Tuomisto is kind of coming and blowing the doors down of this team. And he's close in my eyes. It might be a hot take, but close to jumping Wallander at this point. Yeah. Tuomisto had a really weird, I feel like path to the AHL where he went to college. Didn't he go back to like Liga came back over now playing in the AHL. And he's one that really looked good in development camp. That was the one thing is where Tumiso really showed that maybe that skill's there. He's got a hell of a shot from the point. And uh, it's fast and it comes off quickly. We needed another right shot uh, defenseman in the pipeline that, that might be able to pan out. And for a while, we thought, well, maybe he's maybe it's a lost prospect. But uh, it seems you've mentioned him more than once, which makes me think that there is something there with him. Yeah, I definitely think there is. I mean, we we were wondering where he was at the beginning of the season. He didn't start until what, how many games does he have on the season now? Probably 14. He started, we believe he was 11, 11. So we believe he was injured at the beginning of the season, but of course these teams don't release any injury details. We don't know. Then he was sent down to Toledo and played five games down there. and Absolutely tore it up with six points, four goals and two assists in those five games. So when he finally got up to Grand Rapids and we started to see him play, more and more after the injury or whatever, because he played the first two games of the season, but the team was a kind of a disaster at that point. So when he finally got up here and started playing, and we saw that shot that you mentioned, his shot is absolutely ridiculous. And the other thing is he has zero fear of shooting the puck. There was a game against the Wolves one night where he rips the puck and gets blocked by the guy in front of him. The guy goes down because he hurt and, Tuomisto just picks up the puck and throws it at the net again, hoping something will happen. He has zero fear. He wants to generate offense, but again, on the defensive side, really smart, not making a lot of mistakes, especially for his age. I think that move going back overseas, coming out of college there, was one of the smartest things he could have done. Go up against more men and see, get used to what you're going to deal with in the AHL, but still understand North American ice when you come back. I think Tuo has jumped Volander at the moment. I mean, when Volander, when I watched Volander last year, it was more of his skating. That was what his specialty was. 
Um, you don't notice him out there, which isn't a knock. That's what you want with your defenseman. I mean, we see Jared McIsaac. We see, like, he, he's a he's turnover prone. I mean, when you see Volander out there, he's not turning over the puck. He's not generating a whole lot of offense, but he's not really, you know, he's keeping the puck out of the defensive end as well. So, Tuo, um, I mean, like Brandon said, he was in the first two games. We won. He was out a long time for an injury. Went into Toledo, crushed it there. Come back crushing it here again. Um, he's on the first line with Simon. Uh, two huge defensemen. I mean, I think Tuo is like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and he's tearing it up as well. I think his development path was a little bit odd of coming from La Liga, then coming to uh, over to play college, and then going back. But I think that's helped him. I mean, that's what gave, really gave him the jump because it didn't take him as long to adjust to the ice size because he already played here for two years. So... I mean, Volander, you're still, we're still kind of waiting. I think, you know, by the end of the season, we can kind of have an idea of where he's at. But it makes me nervous with Axel playing as well as he was and seeing where he's going to come into the play. Because, I mean, especially with the injury announcement today, you know, is he going to take that time to come to GR next year? Is he going to stay in La Liga or, you know, at the SH Sweden League? Where are defensive prospects going to line up now? And Steve's got some big, uh, big choices to make with this. Yeah, because you've also got another guy in now probably we'll stay over in the SHL, but Anton Johansson, who also played for the Swedish team and is looking like he's rising up the ranks pretty quickly, too. Uh, I fully believe that Axel Sandy Palika will come over next season. And he's a guy that uh, we had we're known on the show for comparing him to Brian Rafalski. Uh, it's the same kind of skill set uh, that you see in in someone like Sandy Palika. And I think that it's a the, he might be one they try and fast track because the offense is absolutely there. And if they could get him on North American ice, make sure the offense keeps up, work on that defense. Now, by no means is he bad defensively. He's a really responsible defenseman, but make sure that it all comes together on a smaller rink. I think he's a guy that they might want to come in sooner rather than later and slot him in on the second pair under Mo because if your top pair uh, if Mo Sider's on your top and Sandy Palika's on your your second pair, that could be an absolutely lethal combo. Um, but I want to kind of move on to forwards and a little bit of offense in guys like Amadeus Lombardi, who it's his first season in the AHL, and Cross Hannes, who had a pretty nasty injury last season but seems to be back full-time this season. It seems like the the offense has fallen off a bit for Cross Hannes and that the offense hasn't fully caught up for Amadeus Lombardi. And I guess what's the read on, is it just transition to a new league for Lombardi being against, and he had even mentioned playing center against these guys in the AHL and taking the face off. He couldn't even move their stick because the strength difference between juniors and the A is so big, but how do you see their development happening what has maybe been exciting to see them play? Uh, like, what's exciting development for them? And where do you see them kind of finishing off the season? Yeah, so Cross, it, it, the offense has definitely fallen off. It looks like he hasn't been himself since the injury, which is weird because Camp, he looked great after his injury. And he just really, when he's on the ice right now, it's it's not that he's making mistakes. It's just it always seems like wrong place, wrong time. He's never in that right spot to just get the puck there. He still has a nasty shot. He had a goal the other night. He didn't even believe winning. It was just such a snipe by him. So he, 
I know he's frustrated with it. He's mentioned it in his pressers. He's trying to figure out his game. I think there's a big mental side to it right now, and hopefully he can figure it out, but it is a concern, definitely. And on the other side, Amadeus Lombardi, the kid skates like the wind, uh, but the strength piece is definitely a, an issue right now. And Dan Watson said it too. He's going to take a couple years of season. This is not you know, someone we're thinking about NHL in the next two to three years, maybe. He, he's going to be here for a minute. But at the same time, if we can turn him into what he was in Flint with some more development time, he's going to be a special player. He's already a takeaway pro. He's able to pick the pocket of almost any player around him. And with his skating ability, he draws penalties left and right, too. If he can figure out the offense piece a little bit more and then get his size up, he's going to be a special player. Yeah, people have said they're impressed by his. They saw the offense, but they didn't see previously the two-way game that he has. It uh, looks like he's become a 200-foot center. Uh, some of his defensive play has looked a little bit like Dylan Larkin, but again, he's five foot 10, 165 pounds. So at that, at the, at the height and weight of a middle schooler, you're bound to get pushed around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite storylines with him, though, is you know he's he bounced around the lineup quite a bit at the beginning of the season, and then he eventually got put on what they label as their fourth line. We're still not sure entirely what the second through fourth line actually is on this team because they're pretty balanced. But he was thrown on this fourth line with Dominic Shine and Tyler Spezia, two veteran players who on the defensive side of the puck were struggling. I know you don't like the plus minus stat, but they were an alarming minus for the beginning of the season. And within a couple weeks of Amadeus being on their line, everyone on the line's positive. They're all generating offense. Dominic Shine went on a short tear on offense there. so. He's able to bring up the skill of the guys around him with his skill. So once he gets that size, I, I tell you, he will be special. Cross Hannah's situation is kind of interesting because he did have that injury. It did take him a little bit to get in. Uh, the one thing that's been hurting him this year is he's been hitting post more than the net. I mean, that's that's been the biggest thing. Is like if, if he was just an inch or two off, he he would have a lot he would have a lot more goals. Amadeus, I mean, I love the kid. I followed him in Flint this year. He's just, he's small. Um, that's the thing. Like once he gets his size, once he gets going, we see, we saw in the beginning of the year, he was playing a little bit more safe just to not make the mistakes. Now you're seeing him. He, he's going to the, the net more. He's getting more shots on net during each game. Uh, once he gets that size, I think it'll be a lot better. The one thing that we, Brandon, I've been, being in the table for is we want to see face-off stats and that's how we can really judge how well our centers are playing uh and to see i mean some of the other teams have them we know the organization has them we just haven't been able to get that stat to be able to really judge them Amo's going to put it together it's going to take him three four years he's 20 years old i would say he's probably on the same path as like joe valeno you know took him a little bit came from the o um he'll get there he's going to be faster than joe but that's kind of my player comparison to him for, for the wings. I was complaining about the lack of uh, stats from AHL players. I think it was last week where I'm going on. I'm like, I can't find uh, average time on ice. That is something they hide from us. Like that it's a league and you know, they're tracking it uh, that they need to make all that stuff readily available because I mean, really, really basic stuff just isn't there. Like you say, face off percentage. Like, what are you supposed to sit with a pen and pencil while you're watching TV and track it yourself? And I bet you if you did and you uploaded it, you would make a ton of money because there are people that want those stats that have zero access to those stats. Um, but I think if Amadeus Lombardi could pan out and even if he comes in 
and his upside is a third line center uh, with the wheels that he has and the offensive ability he showed in Flint. If it can just bring it up to that level, and you get that in uh, fourth round pick number one thirteen, I mean that's hands down a win. There's guys that are picked in the fourth round are a long shot to even make the NHL, um, but it seems like after he was drafted, he really picked it up because he was one of those guys that missed a year. I think he was one of the guys that missed a year because of COVID. And then that's where GMs were more likely to just take chances on guys that they weren't able to see with another development year and kind of had to project them themselves. But I'm excited for Lombardi. I hope Hannes can put it together because he's a guy too that, like you said, showed up in prospect uh, camp, showed up in development camp, was really big, was on the score sheet, was making plays, was fast out there, looked like they had good vision. But the stats just haven't kept up this season. Uh, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to take a quick break uh, for a word from DraftKings. We're going to be back, uh, round out the questions that we had, move on to some listener questions, and uh, a big elephant in the room and Marco Casper probably to round out the show. But we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. And with guys like Debrinkit and Kane and Dylan Larkin piling up points, you always have good choices for bets on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And we're back. And we're going to get to some elephants in the room. So one of the big ones has been Jonathan Berggren this season. Uh, didn't start the season with the Wings. Started in Grand Rapids. Been called up a couple times. First one to go back every time. Now, we're talking a little bit during the break. That is waiver exemption, man. That's just the life of waiver exemption. You, you have no risk of losing a player when you can just send them back for free. But rumors have been floating around that he is possibly in trade talks. He's not an Iserman pick. So the general thought is that if you're not drafted by the GM, the GM holds no allegiance to you. You're not his player. He may not be Iserman's kind of guy. He has lacked defensively, but what he lacks defensively, he makes up for twofold offensively. If he's not on the roster by the start of next season, what is the chance that you guys think he'll bolt? He'll say, trade me. He'll say, I'm going back to the SHL. I'm not going to play in Grand Rapids because he's earned his spot. I mean, how unhappy do you think he is being shifted around? I know he doesn't like it. I can tell you that much. It's, it's not his favorite thing. What, I, what I'll say about him defensively yeah it, it's not the greatest when he came back from his most recent call up to from the red wings he did look better defensively he has cleaned it up a little bit over the past you know five six games but it's still the elephant in the room we all we all know it like the 200 foot game's just not not there right now for him still if he's not on the roster at the beginning of next season 
he's he's gone. There, there's no way he stays. He's very confident that he has shown what what skills he has and how good he is. He's very confident in himself and his game, and he can, he knows he can go do it anywhere. And don't get us wrong, we absolutely love Bergby. Like it's a blessing that he's on this team for us right now. We did not think we would have him at this point in the season. But yeah, if he's not on that roster, he's he's gone, unfortunately. And it's something neither of us wants to see. We want to see him in Detroit. He belongs in Detroit. He, we were talking, you know, off. He should be second, maybe third line, but he should be there. And he's not. But yeah, he's gone if he's not on the roster. The the nice thing that we see with Fergie though is that he's played a lot of games. You know, he's not missed a whole lot with Grand Rapids. He's got 22 games out of the 29 there. Being called up, he's been playing a lot of games in between Detroit and Grand Rapids, like back to back. I think there was a streak of like, you know, seven games in 12 days or something between the two clubs. And he's still bringing the 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 compete. I mean, he's still, he's a point per player, point per game player, but he's focusing more on the defense. He knows it's not as great. But like Brandon said, he he is he's arrogant in what he does. He knows he can play in the NHL. He played in the NHL last year. He was able to put up points. He was able to do it this year uh, in the small stints that he's had with Detroit. He just needs. I, I think he's not. There's just no spot for him right now in in Detroit. You know, Steve went out and signed a bunch of veterans, and there's nobody. It's log jam. I knew. I I bought his jersey last year. I'm a big. I love Jack Jonathan Berggren. I knew as soon as I did it, the trade deadline was three weeks later. I had a feeling he was going to be traded. This year, if he's not, you know, full-time with Detroit, I think he does get traded. I don't think he goes back overseas. He he knows he can play in the NHL, and his play, can he can do it, you know? So I, I think it is something that, like you said, Greg, there's no alliance to him. Steve has no alliance to him. He's probably going to be traded at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think if he... I don't think there's any chance he goes back to the SHL. He's too good for that. You've got, you'll have a large handful of teams calling on him. I mean, they're already said that teams are calling on him or asking to include him in proposals in nine games uh, in Detroit. He has five points, two goals, three assists in Grand Rapids in 22 games played. He has 23 points, eight goals, 15 assists. It is what it is with him. I mean, what are you going to do with a guy who you got to wait till trade deadline to, move a piece to be able to get him into the lineup. And do you move a guy like, I mean, Robbie Fabry, Robbie Fabry's kind of brought his value up a little bit. Do you move him and try to move Farragut in? Who can you trade to do that? And I'm not sure there's anyone on the roster right now that, that he's an immediate replacement for that. Someone else is going to give you assets in order to move in. So I think that's a situation with him. Like I said, though, I don't see him going back to the SHL. If if anything, he's going to be moved to another team for assets. So another guy a lot of people are asking about, and just to put Berggren aside, is Carter Mazer. And uh, one of our friends online, the tactical distraction, says, besides Edvinson and Berggren, who could you see making a push for the Red Wings roster next season? And my answer at the beginning of this season is that if Mazer wasn't hurt, he probably could have made the Red Wings simply because his development is not needed in like a top six role. I think he fits a bottom six grinder, piss you off kind of guy. Kind of my my initial reaction last season was Mazer is probably your Tyler Bertuzzi replacement kind of player. Maybe he brings a little more grit to the NHL than Tyler Bertuzzi did. It seemed like Bert after he left kind of calmed down on the whole 
pissing people off, beating them up kind of stuff. But how has Mazer kind of progressed? Is he meeting your expectations? Is he moving on the track to where you think maybe he might have a shot at the roster next season? Yeah, I think he totally does have a shot at it next season. You know, he had an injury this year that held him up a little bit. You know, his comeback from that was a little slower than most people would probably like. And, you know, he admitted, you know, physically he felt great. He felt like he was there, but it was a mental thing for him. He was really struggling getting back into the swing of things. And one, I just love his transparency on stuff like that. Just be able to be like, yep, this is what I'm dealing with, but this is what I'm doing to fix it. I, I felt like that's really big of him showing the character that he's growing into be. But like you said, he's going to be that grinder. He's going to be the guy that pisses off everyone that plays against him. But his actual offensive skills that he's now showing, I mean, he's got eight or seven points in his last eight games right now. He's on a tear suddenly uh, post-Christmas here. And the way he's scoring and the things he's doing to generate offense, it's not what I've seen from him before. I think he's taken a whole offensive step to where if he's not going to be that grinder, he could potentially make a second line at some point in time. Uh, I, I think, though, you're right on track where he's only a Griffin for probably this season, and he's not with us next season. He will, he will be in Detroit. I'm 99.9% confident. Well, I don't know how to follow that up. I'm 99% confident that he'll be in Detroit next season. But uh, he is playing very well of late. You know, like Brandon says, he's got six goals, one assist in the last eight games. He's getting his confidence back. When we talked to Tyler uh, on the last episode on our podcast, he said he needs the stat lines to boost his confidence. I mean, once he's there, he's in that groove. He's playing really well. I think he is that Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, replacement for the wings. Can I see him in a bottom six? Yeah, but I could also see him in a top six role too, uh, playing on the winger and getting those points, you know, kind of like Tyler kind of started up with uh, when he was here in Grand Rapids and then moving up to Detroit. So, I mean, I think, he probably has the best outside chance of anybody if Fergie's not taking that role next year. <laughs> so, yeah, I and and don't get me wrong, I think that Mazer's upside is probably a second line uh, winger. It's just that I think that playing him in a third line, bringing him into Detroit in a third line role or even a fourth line role, is not going to hurt his development because I think his development heavily relies on playing those hard minutes, playing tough hockey uh going in doing board battles playing on the penalty kill uh which is something that you could bring him in and give him fourth line minutes and third line minutes especially with how newsy doles minutes out it's not it's not your traditional first line second line third line fourth line minutes wise but it's the mix and matchups and i think that when you put someone like mazer against some of the tougher guys in the league that's how you build his toughness rather than putting him in a dropping him in and we're saying, well, Nate Danielson, I don't want Nate Danielson in Detroit unless he's playing second line center, because that's how he's going to develop. And that's how he is going to eventually be that guy. I wouldn't bring Danielson in in a fourth line center role because I don't want him getting beat up. That's the other part of it. So I think I don't think there's any chance of Mazer getting beat up. Um, More likely, he's the dude doing the beating up. So I think that it's I, I would agree with you. It's I think outside chance. Uh, if you're bringing in a guy that's not named Edmondson or Johansson that or Berggren, that Carter Mazer is that guy in that he's shown, I mean, in a, in a short period of time that his development has, has been like leaps and bounds kind of development. And he's, he's really become a complete player. That's I think he's a lot of fun to watch simply because he plays that piss you off style game. He's super entertaining to watch. And we should point out, too. 
that post Christmas he took a jump and he's now on the first line and he's stayed there this whole time, uh, even with you know Zarnik and Bergen returning. It's kind of been a Mazer, Zarnik and Bergen line together, and that's been super fun for us to watch. And you know we were impressed with even you know just this off season the size he was able to put on. I know he mentioned he loves to eat. And that's what the wings told him to do: keep eating. You know, and he his roommates with Amadeus Lombardi, who's apparently a very good cook. So with all of that said, you know, dangerous he, pair. I, it's a dangerous pair. Like hopefully, you know, he's learning the workout routine from Mazer at the same time. I, I hope that's you know he's giving him good food and he's learning the workouts. But yeah, he's he's a special player. He's going to be a wingspan favorite for uh, hopefully a long time, and I I can't wait to see him or make that step. Now, what's up with Elmer Soderblom? Twenty-seven games played, three goals, ten assists, thirteen points, um, and very very quiet on the Soderblom front. There's not been a lot of talk about him. Uh, not a lot of excitement, at least online in the Red Wings sphere. Um, it seems to have gone pretty cold. And is that just because there's other people to talk about or has it kind of stagnated? Because the reason that Soderblom was not on the NHL roster was because Dan Cleary had said, we see what he can do, but he needs to come to the ice every night and do it. Be consistent, bring the same effort night in and night out. And that's what makes an NHL player. And that's why he's still in Grand Rapids. Is that still the issue? Is that what's fallen off with Soderblom is just that consistent effort every night? Yeah, there's extreme inconsistencies in his game. Some nights you see him and he's got the wheels on. He's flying up and down the ice, making great plays. And there's nights where uh, it reminds me so much of Anthony Mantha before he made the call or made the move up to the Red Wings. And, you know, it was a lot of standing around and waiting for it. I know. I know. Um, It's it's not what we like to see. We love Elmer Soderblom as a person. I think he's a he's a great character. I just I think the inconsistencies is what's going to kill his game. And, you know, there's he's put up a decent amount of points this year, but a lot of the assists have been secondary assists. And he's only got three goals. And one of them was a simple tap in. And I'm pretty sure the one of the other ones was an empty netter. So we're really hoping that something turns on here. And he was the first or second game of the season when we were at the game. He tried his between the legs move in front of the net. Like four he's times got in a great row. hands in tight. Like it's something he's able to do. Yeah, he can do it. And he tried it like four times in a row and didn't get it. I think he got scolded when he went back to the bench because that was a power play in a tie game. Um, but he, he's got the ability. It's just there's no oomph behind it. I, I don't know where he ends up landing. And obviously, late round pick, any production out of him is going to be great overall. And, you know, if he ends up in Grand Rapids and produces the way he is right now and he's stuck here for a while and he ends up being, you know, that emergency call up down the road. Great. I think that's about the value we could get out of him right now unless things turn around. though. Yeah. Brand makes a good point is like that first game he did that behind. He did that in between the leg, trying to shoot him behind him like four or five times. And it kept going. The crowd was into it, but there was no results there. So. Um, the biggest thing with Elmer that we've seen is there's just no, like, there's no compete. It's exactly what Dan Cleary said. There's no consistency in his play. He just hasn't put it together. Uh, I know last season he was out quite a bit with an injury, so I don't know if it's something that we're waiting to see him come back, and this is about the time he starts hitting that stride. Um, right now he's been playing more of that third line with um, <laughs> with Marco Casper. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if it's line mates consistency i mean it's it's a bunch of stuff right now for elmer um just trying to put everything back together again and getting him go getting him going again 
It's the same as last season, it looks like, for Elmer. Maybe it's less goals. So in Grand Rapids last season, 20 games played, five goals, three assists. This season, 27 games, three goals, 10 assists. So the playmaking has kind of swapped with the goal scoring. But it seems like you'd expect with his games in Detroit, he played 21 in Detroit, five goals, three assists, that he'd go back to Grand Rapids and just the the production would jump because he'd know what the NHL game is like. He'd know how to kind of make it a little easier for himself, kind of like Berggren did. Berggren gets the time in the NHL, goes back to the AHL, almost doubles his production. Elmer, and and it's got to be just that piece of just being a consistent guy at the rink every night. And he's, I mean, to his credit, he's being consistent, just consistent from last season, which was where it was not anything really to write home about. But you had mentioned Marco Casper, and I think that's where we're going to kind of spend the rest of the show on. We've got questions on Casper. I mean, Euro Triplet uh, asked Casper's development and how he's looked in the game. Uh, he played last season against the Leafs versus production and development now. How does Casper look now versus the start of the season? Will he be ready to make the wings on opening day next year? Uh, why does he look like he's failing to adapt to North American game? He looks lost and is mailing it in. There's a lot of stuff on Marco Casper. And to their point, he they're right. I mean, he was really, he looked good in the game. The one game that he played last season where he broke his kneecap, which is extremely unfortunate. And I know that's not a crazy thing to generally have to come back from. Uh, Michael Rasmussen did it, maybe not to the same degree. But Marco's numbers have not really jumped off the page. And I mean, to me, he wasn't a guy you were really drafting to get a whole ton of scoring out of you were drafting a defensively responsible high physicality center is what I felt like you were drafting in Marco Casper who's also very smart he's a very smart player high hockey IQ but in 31 games played has three goals 11 assists and is a minus five and again plus minus not the end all be all not a super important stat but for a guy that you wanted to be defensive and to be responsible i feel like he should be on the positive side of it so what in your eyes what is going on with marco casper and is it just kind of a development and transition period or is it that he's working on a different part of his game oh yeah where do i begin with this player there's there's so many questions around him and i get it because he got that one game with detroit and i've said it multiple times in our show i hate that he got that one game yes we got to see him in the nhl but it raised the expectations of every fan through the roof and thinking that, yep, he's going to be here right away. And if he doesn't, you know, he's not leading the Grand Rapids Griffins in scoring. He's, he's a bust. Marco Casper is still very much adjusting to North American ice. You can see it. He runs himself out of space quite a bit. Uh, in the last few games has been better and more consistent. Uh, we're starting to see assists pile up in consistent amounts. You know, I think he's got an assist in three of the last four games, at least. So he's getting points. Finally, he's going to figure it out, but I don't think it's going to be as fast as everyone would like, would have liked. Um, just based on that one game in Detroit. He's a fun player to watch. He's 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 tried the Michigan at least once in Grand Rapids. Uh, he's, you know, he's an aggressive player. He likes to throw the body. He likes to poke at people, which the Griffins themselves have really dialed back from the poking and prodding after the whistle because that's something this team got in a lot of trouble with last year and took a lot of penalties. Simon Edmondson was biggest prior to that i mean he was always taking the little dumb penalties afterwards and that's just kind of how ben simon coached the team dan watson is not about that so they really dialed that back but casper gets his licks in when he wants to and 
generally gets under the skin of every player he's playing against. So he's still got that going for him. Defensively, yep, there's there's still gaps. Again, just not just running out of room on the ice to make the play as he wants to play. So as he adjusts, and I don't know what, what it'll look like for the rest of the season if he's going to make that full adjustment this year or not. We hope he is, but I think that's all it is. It's just a weird transition period for this kid. He will figure it out. So I hope everyone doesn't think he's a bust because he's definitely not. He's got he's got tons of potential, but it's going to take maybe a little longer than we want him. We have to remember he's 19 years old. <laughs> this is his this is his first he's half the season through of Grand Rapids on North American Ice. His last five games he's played, he's got one goal, five assists. So I mean he's he's hitting that stride right after that Christmas break, which is right where we thought he would be at. Um and like Brandon said, he's he's the player that we thought we were gonna have, you know. It's and he's not that goal scorer. He's not, that's not what we drafted him for. It was to be responsible in the defensive end. And that's what he's been doing. I mean, we're not seeing huge turnovers. We're not seeing dump and chase kind of style from him. Like he's playing responsible hockey. Um, Dan Watson's now put him on the power play with Amadeus. I believe it's the second line. So you see the two kids going out there. And I think that's where a lot of the points are coming from is on that power play. Because that's, that's been running lately uh, pretty well for Grand Rapids. So we just got to be patient. It's it's transition. I mean, we're like Brandon said, it, it was not a good idea to put him in that, that Red Wings game. Um, it did help. It did hurt the development too, because he got injured with that broken kneecap in that time, but it was good to, Hey, here's kind of the future, but don't put that expectation. He's going to be there next year kind of thing. I mean, give him two years, give him three. He's 19. Um, it, it's going to take time for him to, to develop and to get there. Yeah. I mean, Marco's really, to your point, never never been a huge goal scorer. He's always been more build of high IQ, uh, knowing how to make the right pass, going to the net, causing chaos. Um, and But not really Marco's going to go out there and have a 30-goal season and put up 92 points in a season. That's just not what he was really even pre-draft build as. It was more of a smart, cerebral kind of guy um, that is a pass first kind of dude, but is also a dude who's going to go out there and try and hurt people, which is great because you kind of, every team needs a wrecking ball. And if Marco Casper could go out there and be like, uh, be like a Tom Wilson light, which I think would be fantastic kind of role for him where sure the, the, the day of the enforcer is dead because enforcers waste roster spots and, you need all the points you can get in the NHL. But if you can get a guy who's going to go out there and not take shit from anyone, but still be a really smart hockey player and still have offense to him and put up points. I feel like that's the kind of guy that Marco Casper can become. Um, He's not going to be a scorer on the level of Alex to He's not going to be anything like that, but I think he can go out there and be an extremely effective. And do you think it's still two C like is two C still maybe his ceiling? I would say two C's is ceiling. I see I see three C more likely right now, which you know, thinking in what we talked about earlier, Carter Mazer on the third line mixed with the Marco Casper there. That's just fun. That's just fun for everybody. So yeah, three three C's where I think he'll end up, but two C is definitely a potential. Again, I, I can't I always tell everyone I can't judge him entirely because I can't see his face off stats. That's that's the one thing. If I could see those, then I'd be able to tell you a little more. But from what we see, three C. So if if Cross Hannis comes along and, and your third line is Carter Mazer, Marco Casper, Cross Hannis, 
then you've got some lethal options there. Oh, that that gets me so excited to think about if they all pan out exactly how they should. That would be such a fun line for the Red Wings. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got Larkin as the first center. We've got second. I would say it's more probably going to be Nate Danielson in that role. And then you see that, I mean, a little play on words, but you're going to see the grand line, that third line of, you know, Marco Casper, Carter Mazur, that that would be the old school grind line right there. Yeah, I've got, a, I got high hopes for for Casper still because you can't say, like you said, first full season in Grand Rapids, the adjustment needs to be, the adjustment period needs to be there. And again, with a new coach, with a new team, with new guys in a new system, all trying to work together. And it, like you said, after Christmas, it seems like it's picking up. Five wins in a row. They can keep it rolling. Uh, hopefully they get into the playoffs this season and can make some noise because I think that's what we had hoped last season is we said they've got the team to make the playoffs. And then uh, I feel like a lot of that was on Simon and then the team kind of shit the bed and missed the playoffs. So I think Grand Rapids can do it this season. It's looking good. I want to thank you guys for joining me, Nick and Brandon uh, from Hockey Town West. I'm going to give you guys a minute. Shout out your socials, what you guys got coming up, uh, what you guys have done recently. It's your time. Floor, go for it. Oh, thanks, Greg. No, we appreciate you having us on here. All our socials, find us on everything at HockeyTownWPod. Uh, that's the easiest way to find us. Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it, we're on there. You know, we're still new. We're, we're under a year doing this. We sat down last year midway through the Griffins' really bad season and said, people want to know about these prospects that are here. We sit here and talk about hockey together all the time. Let's put a mic in front of us and see what happens. And we've been we've been thrilled with what this podcast has grown to for us already in just under a year. And we just continue to keep growing and growing. And that's what we're super excited about. So thank you to you guys for giving us a platform to get more exposure. Thank you to everyone for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, if you want to know more about the Grand Rapids Griffins and this hopeful playoff run we have, come on over and give the show a try. Brandon, what's your social? How can we find you? How can you find me? Brandon GR Hockey. How can we find you? I am a GR Hockey Guy uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I follow the pod. We appreciate you, Greg, for, you know, one linking up with us during the opening day game uh, at the Wings and uh, giving us the time, you know, to come on here. Like Brandon said, we're one year in, um, we're growing and we're we're trying to keep up <laughs> with everything else going. And a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, it's crazy. Like we said, we need to change here. We need to change there. And like, the organization is making those changes. So um, it's cool to see on that end um, all the way down to like just culture stuff of you know, the goal songs, but also to like the play, you know, we call out turnovers and the, the team cleans it up. So um, it's interesting to give us a listen and then watch the game right after. But uh, we post all, we post all highlights. We post all goals um, on the Twitter page. So give us a like, give us a share, a follow. Um, all of that helps us grow. Yeah, we've got the kind of same origin story. We started the podcast, I think we're on year six or seven, maybe. Uh, started in the down the downturn of the Red Wings. So when, when shit went south, that's when we're like, you know what? We should start a podcast and all wallow in misery together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's we've done some of the same thing. Like you say, well, this needs to really be changed. And then you look a few games later and it's and it's changed. So almost like they should be paying us to do this. Uh, but uh, I like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us, spreading our podcast around. Same with you guys. You guys are also on the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on Twitter. Uh, I think there are over 100 hockey podcasts now. So if you are looking for anything in particular, 
you can go there. You can find a podcast to listen to. It's a great time. I'll give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Buy up all that Adidas stuff before Fanatics comes in and ruins our lives. Uh, they've still got it. So you can go do that. And then you're going to see probably some Alex Debrinkit All-Star jerseys popping up now soon, too. I haven't seen the design. Have they released the design for the All-Star jersey yet? Seen I haven't yet seen either. anything. No. When it comes up, if it's not ugly, I might buy a Debrinkit All-Star jersey. Nor they, they've had a track record. Last year was okay, but track record recently has been terrible. The All-Star jerseys have been horrible. Um, but you can check out our merch on redbubble.com by searching the grind line. And you can go to our YouTube and sub to us, turn on notifications. You'll get notified whenever an episode goes live. Uh, any new content that get po gets posted there, if anything happens during the week where it's big news, like breaking news, I'll do a separate video that's not on the podcast. Then we recap it when we do record an episode. Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, again, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Nick. Everyone go check out the Hockey Town West podcast. Um, but I am Greg. You say classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>